you could turn your Bibles to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Continuing our series in the book of 2 Corinthians. And last time we were together, when I was here, I know Pastor John preached a great message last week. had the chance to tune in. I love technology and be able to hear the message and see the worship service all the way down from Florida last week. Thank you for your prayers and the the opportunity I had to find a teacher. God has uh, opened up some some conversations, so we'll see where those lead. Looking for a teacher for next year, we only need one. And so keep please continue in prayer that, that God would use that and provide the teacher that we need for Mid-State Christian Academy. But had the chance to watch the service last week, really enjoyed doing that. But the week before, we had looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We knocked out that entire chapter in one morning, and I am not going to do that to you again today. So don't worry. We're only looking at verses 1 through 7 today of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The title of this morning's message is The Gospel of Light. The Gospel of Light. You know, uh, we, as everyone in this room knows, we live in a very, very dark world. And it is not getting brighter, right? As you see what's going on across the world, as you see what's going on across the nation, as you see what's going on across the state, as you see what's going on across the community, let's be frank, as you see what's going on across the room in your own house, it's not getting better, is it? Things are getting harder, things are getting darker, and sometimes as Christians, we just ask ourselves, how much longer do we have to go, Lord? I will say this, there is one, uh, there's a lot of positive things about the, the darkness of the world. It's not all negative, all right? The darker the world gets, the brighter the light of Christ shines. The darker the world gets, the brighter the reflection of Christ off of us shines. We are not the light of the world, we just reflect that light, right? The moon's in the sky, right, all day, And sometimes you'll see the moon during certain seasons literally up in the sky, but it's not shining very bright because it's light out. But when the sun goes down, the moon, in in not too much of a different location, seems much brighter because it's much darker. So the darkness of the world is not all negative. There's another uh, positive aspect of the darkness of the world, and that is, as a Christian, as I study Scripture, I just see that the prophecy of God's Word is uh, we're coming closer and closer to the end of that prophecy, where God states that he will come back for his church, that he will judge the world, and that Christ will come to this earth and reign for a thousand years. In that order, I see us getting closer and closer to that. And the darker the world gets, the more excited I am about getting to that place. I remember as a teenager, I just told you, I mean, I had made some really bad choices, but there was a lot of things going for me. And I, re- I specifically remember praying to God, please, God, don't come back until, and I would name something that was coming up in my life. I, I, I really want that to happen. I mean, I was saved. I wasn't really a good Christian, but I was saved, and I was saved enough to pray, and my prayers were almost always very selfish. And I was praying things like, God, you know, prolong your coming. I'm not praying that anymore, let me tell you. It's like, God, I'm, you come today, I will, I will not be complaining. I will be on the front line, praising the Lord, hands raised. Thank you, God, you came back today. Now, I'm grateful for the days God gives us on this earth only purely for me because of the opportunity to reach people for Christ, to reach Christians for Christ already saved, but to impact them in a way that through their Christian life, they are now impacting others, not just living selfishly, and also to reach the unsaved, to impact them in a way that they say, hey, I want what you've got. Where did you find that? And then bring them to Christ. 
So I'm grateful for the opportunity to impact a dark world with the light of the gospel. But that doesn't mean I want to stay here indefinitely. I do not. I'm looking forward to my eternal home with God. The light of the gospel found in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 gives us insight into three things that I want to preach on this morning. Three, the first one, the gospel receiver, the second one, the gospel refuser, and finally, the gospel preacher. Because not all of those who have received the gospel preach the gospel. You say, well, Pastor Russ, it's because we're not all preachers. We're not all pastors. Uh, Look, you're you're taking that definition and you're bringing it to a a small, narrow word of a preacher is only someone who's called to be the spiritual authority in a church, and they give the gospel from the pulpit, that's a preacher. No, it's been misdefined too many times. A preacher is anyone who takes the gospel that they themselves have received and passes it on to someone else. They are now a preacher. You don't have to be a man to be a preacher. You don't have to be a pastor to be a preacher. You don't have to be standing behind a pulpit on Sunday morning to be a preacher, to take what you have received and to pass it on. Unfortunately, many Christians are not preachers. They are just receivers. We're going to look this morning at those who are receivers, those who are refusers, and then those who are preachers. So let's go ahead and read in first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and uh, verses 1 through 7. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. We don't give up. We don't stop. Verse 2, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation or showing of the truth, we don't just speak it, we show it, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Let's go ahead and look at verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Verse 4 tells us that the reason people are blinded is because Satan is doing the blinding. Verse 4, when it talks about the God of this world, is not speaking of Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world, who has come to show the world their sin. It is not speaking of the Holy Spirit, whose job is literally to convict the world and judge the world of sin. It is speaking of the liar, the deceiver, the prince of darkness, the prince of this world, Satan, Lucifer, the devil himself, he wants to blind the world from the light of the world. Verse 5, for we preach not ourselves but Christ. Any church who preaches anyone else but Christ is not a church. They are a cult. Verse 6, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. All of these things, the light, the knowledge, the glory, they all are found in the face of Christ. Verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. The question is not what are those earthen vessels. The question is who are those earthen vessels. The answer is you and I. We are earthen vessels. An earthen vessel would be a jar of clay, would be something that would be uh, insignificant, very cheap, 
not necessarily cheaply made, just doesn't cost a lot. Not something you set up on a pedestal in your room, in your house, and say, when you walk in, I want everyone to see that first. No, your earthen vessels would be in the cabinets, in the drawers, under the table. They would only be pulled out for the use of pouring water, of bringing food. You don't show them off to your guests, not your earthen vessels. So the Apostle Paul says, we're the earthen vessels. We're not the silver. We're not the gold. We're not the diamond-studded goblets that are shown off to your most important guests. We are the basic, cheap, inexpensive, get-the-job-done clay jars. But he says, there is a treasure inside of us. You see, we're the earthen vessels. Christ is the treasure, and Christ, the Holy Spirit himself, God the Holy Spirit, indwells in us, and Christ spends time with us, and he is the treasure. We're just the vessels holding the treasure. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Too many Christians say, come to church and look at us. The pastor says, come to church and look at me. What are you thinking? Don't look at me. You're only going to find discouragement, anxiety, pride. These things come when you look at me and when I look at you. No, don't come to church and look at me. Come to church and look at him. And when we invite people to church, it is not to see us. It is to see him. We are not the light. We only reflect the light. So three points, the gospel receiver, the gospel refuser, and the gospel preacher. Let's go back to verses 1 and 2, the gospel receiver. Verse 1, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. What ministry? The ministry of the gospel. Seeing us as God has given us such a great high calling, the calling of receiving the gospel, yes, but the calling of showing the gospel in verse 2. Manifesting, letting other people see it in us. That is a calling to not just receive it, but to show what you have seen, uh, received. To, to live what you have received. God calls us to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. God calls us to be his body his hands, his feet. Christ literally stated in the Gospels that if you want to give me food and water and clothing, then give food and water and clothing to others who do not have it and cannot return a favor back to you. And when you've given to them, Christ said, you have given to me. Christ said, look at the harvest. It is ready to be harvested. The wheat is white. It is ready to be plucked from the stalk. Where are the workers? Where are the servants? Well, God, we don't need to pluck the wheat. We've already been saved. Let someone else pluck the wheat. Well, the reason you were saved is because a servant plucked the wheat and you were one of them. Now go and do that for someone else. We've been given a high calling. We've been given a difficult calling, a difficult journey. And too many Christians say, my life is hard enough as it is. Why would I make it harder by adding on top of my problems the ministry? Why would I add ministry on top of my already busy life? Why would I add service to others on top of my service to my family? Why would I add hardship on top of hardship? And too many Christians say, you know what? I give up. I can't go any further. I can't take 
this calling on my shoulders. It's too hard. And the Apostle Paul reminds us in verse 1 that you can handle this when you recognize that God's mercy is bigger than your trials. Verse 1, as we have mercy, have we, as we received mercy, we faint not. Letter A, allow the mercy of God to overwhelm the troubles of your life. Everyone has troubles. The preacher has troubles. His wife has troubles. The kids have troubles. Members in this church, we've all got troubles. But we also all have mercy. You say, well, no one's shown me mercy. Then you're looking at the wrong people. God has shown you mercy. God continues to show you mercy. You get to decide what you're going to look at today. Will you look at the troubles that everyone has? Well, no one has as many troubles as I have. You don't know that. You don't know me. I don't know you. I know you're human. Therefore, I know you've got troubles. You should assume the same about me because it's true. But I also know you have a God who shows you mercy because that same God showed me mercy and that same God reminds us in the Old Testament he offers renewed mercies every morning. When you get up, you can look at all of your problems or you can look at all of the mercies of God. And you can allow your problems to overwhelm the mercies of God where you get to the point that you think the mercies are not there because all you see are the problems. Or you can wake up and all you see are the mercies, almost to the point that the problems are non-existent. It's not that they have left your life, but they might as well have because all you see are the mercies. You are overwhelmed by the mercy of God in your life. Don't you ever dare ask God to give you what you deserve. You don't know what you're asking for. Praise the Lord every day. He does not give us what we deserve. And when we remember that, we can get up and faint not and keep going. Keep going for God. When you've received the gospel, you've received his mercy. And when you've received his mercy, there is no amount of trouble that will ever overwhelm the amount of mercy God offers you. You have to choose what to look at. Letter B, the truth must be used for instruction, not manipulation. What truth? The truth we claim to have received in the gospel. The truth we claim to live in the gospel. Verse 2, but we have renounced but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, living in lies, speaking lies, preaching lies, offering lies, taking the word of God and manipulating the truth of God's word to make it sound like the way you want so you can manipulate the actions of people. There are pastors who do this on a regular basis. They will take a word out of context. They will take part of a verse. They will take part of a chapter. They literally will not read the whole verse, will not read even the verses around it. They'll read a part of a verse, close the Bible, and then manipulate you to do what they want, and they claim it's the truth. And by the way, that is a partial truth because they do take part of the truth. But with that partial truth, 
They lie to you, they deceive you, they trick you, they manipulate you. You say, Pastor Russ, if that's true, how do we know who to follow, who not to follow? Stop following men and stop start following Christ and you'll be okay. They say, well, if that's true, then what are we doing here? Well, what are you doing here? I hope you're here to follow Christ because that's why I'm here. I am not here to control you. I am here to remind you to give control to Christ. And if I ever take a verse that you feel is out of context, please let me know. Let's have a conversation because either you're wrong or I'm wrong. Let's figure that out. Because I do not want to take this book and manipulate you. I want to take this book and exhort you and encourage you. Why would pastors, why would men, why would teachers take a truth and manipulate people? I'll tell you why. For power, for authority, for money. You say a pastor would never do that. You haven't been around very much then. Pastors are men. And pastors also like power and authority and money. And there are a lot of churches. There's a name on the sign that has the word Christian or Baptist or church But that name doesn't follow anyone into the church, (laughs) into the building, because it is a scam. There are churches that are scams. There are Christians that are scams. And that's nothing new. For 2,000 years, the Apostle Paul said, we can't live the scam, guys. He says in verse 2, we've got to be the real deal. If we have received the gospel, we have to be real about it. We cannot take the parts we like and preach it and ignore the parts we do not like. We cannot take the parts we do not like and change them and manipulate people. Stop living traditions and start living the word of God. And you said, I don't know the word of God. That's the problem. You in this room, many of you probably know better Baptist tradition than you know biblical truth. That's a problem. You know better the list of do's and don'ts given to you by a preacher for 22's, 22 years plus than you do the word of God, the do's and don'ts. Letter C, those with nothing to hide aren't afraid of transparency. Let me tell you this right now. You could spot a manipulative leader when they are not willing to be transparent Because most, not all, some leaders buy into their deception so much they actually believe their own lies. That does happen. But a lot of manipulative people, they know that they're manipulators. They know they're lying. They know they're holding back truths. They know they're twisting truth. And they also know that they're not going to live it the way they preach it because they know it's a lie. (laughs) So they're going to tell you one thing and do something different. So the moment you find yourself telling you what you know when you find someone telling you what to do, but they're not willing to be transparent, that's the person you need to walk away from. Stop following people who hide themselves in darkness, in clouds, who who hide themselves in in, uh, lies and secrets. And they claim, well, it's because I've got so much authority in my life that you'll never truly understand what I go through. You can't understand, so I've got to protect myself or protect the ministry and the protected decisions by, by keeping you at arm's length. No, no, they're protecting lies. That's what they're doing. Because right here in verse 2 I read, not in craftiness nor handling of the, God, of the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation, by showing, not hiding, by revealing 
not uh, putting under a cover. Manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Someone who has truly received the gospel and willing to live it out has nothing to hide. Whether they are a preacher or whether they are a receiver, hopefully both. Whether they are in spiritual leadership or whether they are purely just a servant, no authority attached to their position in the church. If they've received the gospel, there's nothing to hide. If there's something to hide, then we have to manipulate. We have to lie. We have to deceive. And when people recognize that you say one thing and hide something different, you are now doing harm to the gospel of Christ, the gospel of light. You are saying, I've got the gospel of light, and let the gospel of light uh, chase the darkness away from you, but I'm going to keep the darkness in my own life hidden in a closet that you cannot see. And people are going to see the hypocrisy, and they're going to say, why should I accept the gospel of light from you when you've got darkness in your own life? Having said that, we all have darkness, which is why we all need the light. I'm not saying anyone in here is perfect. I'm saying we need to be humble. Humility recognizes I need a Savior. I am a sinner. I've accepted the gospel of light. And because I've accepted it, I am going to heaven. But the darkness keeps trying to overwhelm me, which is why I keep filtering my life with the gospel. It does not mean I'm perfect. It means I'm repentant. I'm not asking you believers to tell everyone all your sins and to air out your wickedness. I am asking you believers to tell God your sins and to repent of your wickedness so you no longer have to hide it in a closet. The gospel of light saved you from your sin. And the gospel of light wants to save you from your sinning as a Christian. And we need to manifest the power of the gospel, the light of the gospel through our actions. And we cannot manipulate people and we cannot hide our own life. We must be true and we must be transparent. Number two, the gospel refuser. Unfortunately, because there are so many preachers and so many Christians who do hide the wickedness in their life, who do hide the gospel of light. They claim to accept it but are scared to preach it. So many Christians who are hypocrites, there's a lot of people in the world who have said, and I've heard them say to me, why would I go to church? It's full of a bunch of hypocrites. Now, there is truth to that. There are hypocrites everywhere, not just the church, but I do get that. And you would expect that although they're everywhere, you would expect not to find them at church. I agree with that statement. It's a shame that it's not true. It's a shame that there are hypocrites in the church. And because of that, a lot of people say, why would I go there? Verse 3, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid from them that are lost. In the end, every person must answer to God for the choices they make. You can't blame me for your choices. Yes, my choices, my life impacts you. I get that. But in the end, you are responsible for what you do, say, and choose especially when it comes to salvation. You are responsible for your choice of accepting Christ or rejecting Christ. You choose. I cannot choose for you. And in verse 3, we're told that a lot of people have refused Christ. 
verse 4, in whom the God, lowercase g, Satan, of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Letter A, those who reject God will not fully understand his gospel. You know, you could try to go into deep theology, the word of God. You can, you can discuss creation, six literal days. You could discuss the miracles of the Old Testament prophets and the miracles of Jesus Christ and the miracles of the New Testament church. You could discuss God coming to the flesh as man. But if they have essentially refused the existence of even God himself, everything else won't make sense to them. You're going to sound like someone telling them fairy tales. Because they do not believe in God, they are blinded to that very basic truth. They're going to be blinded at all the other truths. Why are we going so deep into theology when they can't even break the surface? Stick with the surface. There is a God. Talk about God. Talk about the evidence of God. Talk about nature declaring the glory of God. Once they have come to the recognition that there is a God, then start talking about the fact that if there is a God, he'd want us to know about him through his word. Then talk about the Bible. Talk about the history of the Bible. Talk about the validity of the Bible, how the Bible is life-changing, and you can trust it and have trusted it, and what's it done for you. Then, if there is a God and he has given us truth, what does that truth say about him and us? Then go to the gospel. Talk about Christ. Talk about what Christ did, who he was, what he accomplished. But too many Christians want to talk about philosophy with the unsaved. They want to talk about politics with the unsaved. They want to talk about evolution with the unsaved. And unless that conversation leads to God, what's the point? They're blind. You are trying to describe to someone who's been born blind what color is. You're trying to describe to them things they cannot see. Letter A, if you reject God, you cannot fully understand his gospel. If our gospel be hid, it is hid from them that are lost. Why? Because, letter B, Satan wants to cover our minds in darkness and lies. I am not going to tell you that Christian school is the only way to go. I believe homeschool is a valid option. I think that's a great option. I will tell you this. I am greatly, and I've said this before, and I'll keep saying it, I am greatly concerned for public school. Greatly. Let's break it down. Satan lies. Satan's servants lie. I'm not going to tell you that every teacher in public school is a servant of Satan. Obviously, that is not true. I will tell you that if you were a servant of Satan and you did want to lie to the next generation... That is where you would go, to public school, where you have them seven hours out of the day. Are you going to tell me that has no effect on your child? Why would you give your child to liars for education? You say, Pastor Russ, that's pretty harsh words. Nothing compared to what they call me as a Christian in that school. Nothing compared to what they call this church. Nothing compared to what they call this book. I'm playing nice. Children are sent to schools who, are, who at that school are telling them there is no God. Christians are fools. Literally, there are videos on the Internet 
where teachers are telling kids, your parents are idiots. They're literally saying your parents are an idiot. Your parents are a fool, they are told. I'm not saying every child in every classroom. I'm saying that's where this is happening. And we wonder why generations, plural, of Christians are walking away from the church. Why do we wonder that? Generations of Christians have been lied to from a young age, and they've accepted the lies. Satan is a liar, and Satan wants to destroy our minds with lies. Letter C. God wants to illuminate our hearts in light and truth. Look at verse 6. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Satan wants to lie to your mind. God wants to shine light in your heart. And if you have a child who you are responsible for, it is your responsibility to ensure that they are placed under people who shine for them, reflect for them the light of Christ, not overwhelm them with the lies of Satan. And I did speak about public school, but it's not just there where it happens. There are churches that do the same thing. I've already said this today. There are churches that will cloud your mind with darkness and lies. And too many people say, well, there's the name church on the sign. It must be okay. I'll go there. But just because there's church on the sign doesn't mean they're they're reflecting the light of God's word. Make sure that you yourself are under the teaching of the light of the gospel, not the preaching of darkness of Satan. The gospel refuser. And then number three, the gospel preacher. I began the message today by informing you that a preacher is not just someone who has the position of pastor at a church. A preacher is anyone who takes what they've received and passes it on. Verse 5, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Letter A. The Christian faith is focused on the Savior, not the saved. Now, this is really important on many levels. First of all, when you go to church, stop looking at the Christians and evaluating God's truth based off of those who claim to follow him. You evaluate the truth by the source of that truth. I'm not the source. You're not the source. This church is not the source. So let's go further and evaluate Christ himself. We can have a conversation about our testimony and how we look and what we do, but that conversation should not affect the truth itself. Christianity is founded in Christ, not the church. The church is a reflection, is a consequence, is a result of Christ, not Christ himself. Not only that, when we come to church, stop making the focus church. When you join the church, don't make the focus yourself. 
When you read the word of God, don't make the focus yourself. Where am I in this verse? Oh, there I am. Oh, this verse makes me so good because it's focused on me. No, the Bible's focused on Christ. Yeah, we're in it. Praise the Lord. And God does speak to us. Praise the Lord. But that's not the focus. The main character is Christ. You ever watch TV shows? And it's a show you love. And you get to know the characters so well that you just fall in love with these characters. And then there is a, an extra that shows up on one, of the, on one of the episodes. And the extra just is like so good. You're like, wow, why have you never seen that person before? And then the next show, the extra's gone. You never see them again. You ever wonder what happened? The extra was trying to one-up the main characters. <laughs> I guarantee you the main characters went to, the, to their manager or whoever and said, I, don't, I want to see that person on set again. This show's not about them. And that's why you don't see those extras again, the ones who are really, really excitable and, and make the, the, the scene about them. You don't see them again. The main characters, that's what the show's about. Who's the main character of Christianity? Christ. That's who it's about, Christ. We're just a bunch of extras. And unfortunately, some of us are trying to one-up the main character. Some of us are trying to one-up Christ. Stop focusing on the church and focused on the Savior of the church. Letter B. The preacher of God's gospel cannot ask to be served, but rather request opportunities for service. Verse 5. Ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. If you're going to be a preacher of the gospel, whether you hold the position of spiritual authority or leadership in the church or not, if you are a preacher of the gospel, then you are what Christ stated, the least. Be the least. Serve. Christian, stop trying to one-up each other and start trying to lift up each other. Stop trying to say, I'm better and start recognizing he's the best. We're all no good. Let's just serve the best. It's not a competition. Church is not a competition. Church is an opportunity to serve God and his people. To serve the community. It's opportunity. It's responsibility. And so as we move forward in 2022... Are you willing to say less of me and more of him? Are you going to willing to say in Jesus' name, not in my name, not in the church's name, in Jesus' name? Not I, but Christ. Let her see. The glory of the gospel must replace the glory of its preacher. Verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. When people see power, they will not think Russ. They will think God. When people see power, they will not think you. They will think God. Because if they think me and if they think you, we did something wrong. We were the extra trying to one-up the main character. We're the earthen vessels. What's inside of us is the power. That's God. Christ. The Holy Spirit, the Trinity, he is the power. We just reflect it. We just carry it, the power of God. We carry the power of God, the gospel of God, the light of the gospel. We carry that in earthen vessels to someone else and pass it on. That is our job, period. 
carry what was given to us and bring it to someone else. And God does not need shiny, silver, gold-plated jars to carry the light of the gospel. Because when they see the light, they won't be looking at the jars. The problem is, too many Christians put a top on the jar, never show the gospel, and only show off the vessel, which really isn't that amazing to begin with, but they think it is. And the real power, the real glory, the gospel of light is never shown. Our time is wasted by looking at earthen vessels. Stop wasting people's time with your earthen vessel and show them the glory of the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray.